So I thought we'll come up with a fancy title for this one. So it's called the Barzillai Syndrome. I wish there was music when I said that. So uh, the Barzillai Syndrome, and uh, it's still in the topic of disruptive glory that we started last week. And so today I'll be using slightly non-kosher terms like old, older, young, words like that. And so um, if, um, if any of those words apply to you or to me, and some of them do apply to me, I try not to be offended by words like old, older, because they're still part of the English language. So, um, I don't know uh, what other word to use. So old, older, young, younger will be used. Um, yeah. So guys, we've been talking about, we, we started talking about revival last week, and we said that the revival will be mostly among the young, uh, the teens, the 20s, and the 30s. But the work of God in the lives of the young is you, you, through the old. The work of God in the lives of the young is through the old. Yeah? And so today we want to talk about how, uh, how, do, how, does, how, how do people that are old, and let's, for our sake, put old as 50 and above. Um, let's put old as 50 and above. And so how do old or older people participate in a revival that is for the young? How do older people fit in a church where we have the young adults we have who are highly mobile, spiritually, financially, uh, relationally? Uh, I mean, we are blessed with these young guys. Uh, how, how do we fit? I think that needs to be spoken to, spoken of, spoken about. When you look at the revival at the, in the Hebrides, which we said would be very similar to what will happen through us, it was basically initiated by uh, two really old women. They would be Dagmar and Gisela's age, 90 and 95, or thereabouts, 80 and 85. That's, th those are the women that really brought one of the world's most amazing revivals onto those islands and changed uh, the nature of the earth. Revivals change the nature of the earth. We won't talk about that today. But we need to figure out how does it work in a church with young adults like this. Where do we fit as older ones? What if you're not a pastor? Then how do you fit as an older one? And in a revival that's going to target teens, 20s, and 30s, how do the old fit? So let's look at Barzillai first. And, and, and some of you are sitting here thinking, oh, I didn't need to come today. I'm not 50. You'll be 50 soon. And uh, if you learn this now, you won't need to hear this preached later. So this is to help us be like, you know, at Eddie's church in South Africa, when the church was uh, built, God told Yvonne, Eddie's wife, to bring two palm trees and plant them at the gates of the church. And these were not palm trees that were grown. These were palm trees that were transplanted. And the idea was Psalm 92, that you will flourish like the palm trees, even in your old age. And so the intent is, if we as guys who are maybe between 20 and 40 today, 
if we learn these ways, we will not need to struggle with this as we go forward. So if you look at Barzillai in 2 Kings 19, 32, 37, uh, you don't want to be like him. Barzillai, 2 Kings 19, 32, 32 to 37. 2 Kings 19, 32 to 37. I really believe that this teaching will be taught 20 years from now. Things will be added to it, but it's that kind of a thing that will help many churches avoid pitfalls. 2 Kings 19, 32 to 37. Therefore, no, it's not 2 Kings 19. 2 Samuel? Okay, 2 Samuel 19. Second Samuel 19, 31 onwards. Barzillai the Gileadite also came down from Rogelim to cross the Jordan with the king and to send him on his way from there. Now Barzillai was a very old man. It's very odd, eh, how the Bible sometimes calls people very old when Caleb was five years older and it doesn't speak of him like that. It doesn't speak of Caleb as a very old man but it speaks of Barzillai as a very old man, even though Barzillai is 80 and Caleb is 85. And if the Word of God is authored by the Spirit of God, but written by humans, then two things are at play here. One, the human whose writing is seeing Barzillai as old, but the Holy Spirit is also revealing that even though he's five years younger than Caleb, he is old. Now, Barzillai was a very old man, 80 years of age. He had provided for the king during his stay in, I wanted to say Manhattan, but it's Mahanaim. Um, he, he had provided for the king during his stay in Mahanaim, for he was a very wealthy man. The king said to Barzillai, cross over with me and stay with me in Jerusalem, and I will provide for you. But Barzillai answered the king, how many more years will I live? that I should go up to Jerusalem with the king. I'm now 80 years old. Can I tell the difference between what is good and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? Can I still hear the voices of men and women singers? Why should your servant be an added burden to my lord the king? Your servant will cross over the Jordan with the king for a short distance. But why should the king reward me in this way? Let your servant return that I may die in my own town near the tomb of my father and mother. But here is your servant, Kimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king. Do for him whatever pleases you. Sometimes this is like a refrain that I have heard so many times from our mums and dads. That it's scary that we can become like that. But here is a man who has the opportunity to walk with the king of Israel, which was a highly prized uh, association. And he's being offered it. But he decides not to because of this thing called the Barzillai syndrome, which is an inability after a certain age to participate in the activity of God. That is what we have to resist as 50 pluses. So some of the things that happens with us as we get older is sometimes there's an indifference that comes in, indifference. Sometimes it's sentimentality. Sentimentality. 
Sometimes it's insecure and intimidated by the next generation. By the next generation. Sometimes it's entitlement. And if it's not entitlement, as in I have paid my dues, you owe, you guys owe me now, then it, if it's not entitlement, it's self-pity. I have paid my dues, but you don't treat me well. Sometimes it's a tolerance for compromise in your life, a tolerance for compromise, as in I'm 55 or I'm 60, yeah, I've got this problem and flaw and defect in my moral ways, but uh, I've run my race and um, it's okay. You don't have to keep pushing that button, just let me be. Sometimes it's disappointment with God because the older you are, the more it is possible to look back in life and see where God did not work and it becomes so large that you don't see where God worked or you don't see how God is going to work in the future. Disappointment with God. Another thing that happens is the idol of comfort where You've worked hard, and this is why you worked hard. You now have an apartment in Mahanaim, and you want to settle. And then here is this upstart king who wants to take you across the Jordan, and we'll have to fight a few wars, and I'd rather put my feet up and retire. And so what happens in the process is we get stale, we resign, we are afraid, and that is kind of handleable. This is scarier when you become unteachable and stagnant. So this is what this syndrome looks like. There's an indifference sometimes to the gospel, sometimes to theology, sometimes to learning new things. Sentimentality, oh, the good old days. The good old days were never good, eh? They were, plumbing was really bad. And so insecure and intimidated by the next generation. That's happening more and more now. Because everything is... Uh, my, my sister and I were talking yesterday, and she was saying, when, when we look back at the last... I won't tell you her age. Uh, when, uh, Jacob, when you look back at the last 45 years of your life, you realize, <laughs> you realize how much things have changed. And it can be intimidating, even in a church where you see the next generation rising up so fast, learning quickly, and it brings in insecurity. What am I doing here? What can I do here? As ones who are young who are learning, you're in the throes of learning, you don't realize it. So part of us talking about this is just so, if you're young, you're aware of what I'm going through, and if I'm old, I'm aware of where you're at and where I'm at. It's both ways. And I hope you can use this to help your parents. Because our parents are stuck in this warp. Any questions before we move on? And if you're here with your parent, uh, they are the only exceptions. They are not stuck in the warp, Sam. <laughs> Any questions? So when we begin to think like this, we walk as if the race is done. And there's a loss of, loss of zeal. I mean, Paul only said at the end of his life that I have run the race. We start saying it early, I have run the race, because you lose zeal. 
No questions? Okay. So how do we as older ones maintain fruitfulness in a young church or in a revival or a movement that might target the young? How do we as older ones maintain fruitfulness in a younger, younger movement or context? These are just three simple ways and then I'll move on to other things. One is through sacrifice. There's nothing that gives life like sacrifice. Jesus said, if you want something to be fruitful, let it die. So one of the ways the older generation can begin to be fruitful at all times in any situation is through sacrifice. Sacrifice of time, of treasure, of talent, of preferences, of privilege, and of strength. Why? So that, the, so that others may mature. The reason we have worship wars and other such wars in church is because usually a generation, be the younger one or the older one, is not willing to sacrifice. One of the, one of the ways to be highly fruitful for the, for the entirety of your life is through sacrifice. And sacrifice involves the sacrifice of time, talent, treasure, strength, preferences, privileges for the maturity of others. Jesus talked about it in John 12. Second thing is through proclamation. How can we be fruitful? Through proclamation. What do you mean by proclamation? It's so beautifully worded in Psalm 48, for instance. If you go to Psalm 48, verse 13. Psalm 48, verse 13. It says there, ah, I love this, starting at verse 12. This is something I long to do for the rest of my life. Walk about Zion, go around her, count her towers, consider well her ram ramparts, view her citadels, that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God forever and ever. He'll be our guide even to the end. It's something I long and love doing. Where can I tell Evan, can I tell... May, can I tell Dawn, can I tell you about the God, of, the God that I knew? So that you can say, the God of my fathers. You cannot say the God of your fathers unless I tell you. And God will always be a generational God. He's always been the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But if I don't tell you, you cannot say the God of your fathers. Look at another scripture that is similar. It's uh, Psalm 71. Psalm 71, verse 17 and 18. I'm going to finish this today. So if it takes long, stick around. Psalm 71, verse 17 and 18. Since my youth, O oh God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O oh God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Oh. You know, there are certain nations I go to, and there are certain people there that I admire, and they're older than me, and whenever I leave that nation, I always ask them to pray for me. Like Dano's wife, Blessy, her dad is in Bahrain, if I go to Bahrain, I usually go to him at some point and ask him to bless me. 
because I know he's a godly man. And I expect him to, that if he blesses me, there's something to it. I'm a product of people older than me who have taught me and blessed me. What is your story? And if it is your story, speak it through proclamation. Third one is through evident growth, through evident growth, through evident growth. What are we talking about? We're talking about how can the ones who are older be fruitful in the context of a young movement that the Lord has started or a young church. Through evident growth, what happens with evident growth? When growth is evident, you lay down tracks of wisdom. You lay down tracks of wisdom for the younger to run in. You lay down tracks of wisdom. The church becomes a place where things happen quickly because the wisdom of the ages and the wisdom of the ancient one is laying down tracks for people to run on. You get to places faster because there are tracks laid down. It's been hewn through rock, and now tracks are laid down. And in Proverbs 16, 23, it says that wisdom is one through a righteous life. Wisdom is one through a righteous life and the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is one through a righteous life and the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 16, verse 31, verse 31. And the point is, you cannot give wisdom as an older person. And when I say older person, is relative now, because a 20-year-old, uh, older person would be a 30-year-old. So you cannot lay down tracks of wisdom unless you've lived a righteous life, because wisdom is one through a righteous life and the fear of God. So when you think of ones that are older to you that you want to draw from, do not look at anything else but do they have a dread of grieving the one they love, as in the fear of the Lord, and do they have righteous lives? Only is their wisdom genuine. Otherwise their wisdom is borrowed, learned, book, it's not real. Any question on that? Any questions? No, how can we be fruitful? We can be fruitful by, uh, in a, how can we be fruitful in a young movement or a young context? We can be fruitful in a young movement or a young context, context by evidencing growth. And growth is always able, uh, growth is measured in wisdom that lays down tracks for the young to run on. So you're talking about us seniors as opposed to the growth of the seniors. Yeah, us seniors, yeah. But wisdom is one by a righteous life and the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 16.31. Any questions? Any other questions? Yeah. 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 Because there are people that are getting old and uh, they're just getting old. But there, there's this, is there evidenced growth? And that's important. Every year I must grow. Absolutely, till you tell me not to. Does that require a relationship or an opportunity for Yeah. 
Yeah. See, this is why God is a God of generations, right? Uh, the, the great thing about God being a God of generations is that he expects a church to be a church that is also generational. Why? Because it's only through generations that relationships can be built, inheritances can be obtained. Amen. Otherwise, not possible. If a church is not relational, then you cannot gain an inheritance in this church. It's not possible. A pastor can never give you an inheritance. A father can. And so relationships in a church are critical for you to receive an inheritance. It is critical for God to pass down revelations to a next generation so they can make it flower and run with it. So that if I give you an iPhone 3, you develop an iPhone 13 in 10 years. Otherwise, you'll be stuck with Samsung. How many people? Can I see hands, please? Samsung, hands? I see you there. I see you, brother. I see you. Yeah. Repent! Pardon? No, because they are the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. No. We ate the apple. Okay, so here are some of the things that we as older ones can begin to do so we don't mess up. So as you get old, the company you marinate in, as you get old, as you get old, which will be the standard um, opening statement for all these lines. As you get old, the company you marinate in, the company you marinate in, affects how you speak, affects how you speak, think, and therefore the works that you do for God. And God works. It's odd. When you're younger, you think before you speak. When you're older, you speak before you think. Yeah, uh, let me read. No, it's surprising. Um, I'm talking about influence. When, as you get older, what you speak becomes what you think. You get stuck in a certain way of speaking. You'll, you'll hear this. It's very sad. People, as they get older, begin to speak a certain way. They have a, either a negative view of something or a positive view of something or a neutral view of something, and they keep speaking it. They keep speaking it. It's like the, thing, uh, the piston of an engine. They keep speaking it, and it's only a matter of time before they start thinking like that. And as they begin to think like that, God is limited in the works he can do. So marinate yourself in company that... that, that will not drive you to a place of speaking where your speaking begins to affect your thinking and your thinking limits the works that God can do. Second one, as you get old, know that purpose and life are connected. Purpose 
and life are connected. When you run out of purpose, you begin to run out of life. This is why This is why um, very often people that retire um, suddenly find life slipping away because they were active and then they don't know what to do. And they try to fill their lives with activity and you can only cut down so many trees and chop so much firewood. And you have to have more purpose than cutting down trees and chopping firewood and building a deck for your daughter. And so purpose and life are connected. And this is why it is good if we can realize that God leads us into rooms. We've been talking about thresholds. God leads us into rooms till we die. So if we can learn it early, at 55, at 65, at 75, when we get to 90, we will not ever think that God has stopped asking us to cross thresholds. That rooms are continuously opening up. Psalm 92, verse 14. Psalm 92, verse 14. Psalm 92, verse 14. Um, they still bear fruit in their old age. They are ever full of sap and they are green. Why? So that they can proclaim and declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap. As in, they bear fruit in their old age, not as some kind of a concession that God is making. Because there is Zoe life in them. The life of Christ still pulsates in them. But it is something that you have to train yourself in so that you can be fruitful, so that you can keep crossing thresholds, entering new rooms till the day you die. May you be found at the threshold of some new room that was opening and you died. So that the door is still open for someone else to cross through. <laughs> God keeps leading you into new rooms. And the, and the speed at which he leads depends on the speed at which you travel. I, I, I just love these new rooms that God allows us to enter into. These are new rooms that basically divulge some facet of his or some new project of his or some new assignment of his or some new move of his on the earth or some new character of his that he wants you to get so deeply that you can pass it on to someone else you know so that on the earth there are a whole lot of people who are super kind or really in love with burgers or whatever. It's that kind of a thing where you pass it on. These rooms are wonderful. Sheldon, that's two yawns, huh? It wasn't, eh? It was a sigh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, good, good. The, the mask just... You never know whether it's a yawn or a sigh. As you get older, guys, Psalm 27, verse 1, is something that you must wear. You must wrap it around like a cloak. It's from the message. I'll read it from the message. Psalm 27, verse 1. Oh God, give me zest. Give me light. Give me space. I want to be someone who's wrapped in this cloak that is knit with light, space, zest. Light, space, zest. 
The NIV puts it as, Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The message puts it as, oh God, could you cloak me in light space zest? Light as in the ability to see things clearly and then the obedience to have clarity in what you want me to do. I'm just rushing over it because it'll take a whole teaching by itself. Space as in space to create room for your presence in my life, space to um, do things that are unpredictable, space to have you send me wherever you want at my age. Zest. We talked about that. Beholding you. Walking as if you're walking with me. Man, if you were actually physically here, Jesus, and you walked with me, I'd be the king of the road, man. The, um, the big whatever. All those words that you put when a guy goes walking down the road like he's the dada of Bombay. It's that kind of a thing. Yeah. The big kahuna. It's that kind of a thing. As you get old, teachability and humility, this one is important because old people lose this. And by old people, I mean me and some of you. That's why I said this would be so unkosher, but hopefully someone in the future can uh, make this politically correct and preach it. As you get old, teachability and humility in community will keep you vitally connected to God and man. It's not just teachability and humility on your own. Teachability and humility in community. It is odd how as we grow older, we take an old 90-year-old Jacob and put him in a home because we say, oh, he's 90 now. He needs a community that he can be part of and play checkers or whatever. And uh, so let's just put him in a community setting. Uh, but when it comes to the church, we don't realize that as you get older, if you're teachable and if you're humble, and it's in the context of a community, you get vitally alive. But the problem with ones that get old is that we become less and less teachable if we don't practice it. And we will be humble, but on our own, not in the context of a community. There are so many people that get old and get cranky when it comes to order, when it comes to teachability, when it comes to humility. It's like, nah, you guys are too modern. That's one of the things I hear. Uh, what you're saying, it's too modern. Uh, what I learned when I was young, that's good enough. Or, no, 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 I don't want to participate in this. Uh, you guys do it. You guys are young enough to do this. Um, come up and do this. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. This is not, this is not the way to behave. Teachability and humility in community will keep you vitally alive as you grow older. If a part of your body is beginning to get old, you put it aside, it'll die. You keep it in the body, it may get oxygen and life, and it may revive. The older we get, the more we need the body of Christ. And somehow in our minds, the devil has played the trick that the older I get, the more I can step to the sideline. There is no sidelining in the body. My elbow now is 55 years old. It doesn't just move to the side. 
Yeah, I mean, the older I get, the more I have to use my elbows. Give me something to throw. My right arm at 56 can still hit you at that distance. This is getting more and more kosher. As you get old, begin to empty yourself materially and physically. As you get old, begin to empty yourself materially and physically. Materially and physically, begin to empty yourself. Otherwise, the graveyard will become the richest place in the earth. I'm praying. My sister was asking me yesterday, so aren't you worried that as you get old, uh, you'll be living alone? I said, no. I've raised so many sons and daughters, I'll find out who's got the best house, best meal, and I'll start doing a tour. <laughs> who's house next? Derek? Nah. <laughs> I mean, there should be some payoff for all the work. <laughs> this is a retirement plan, guys. <laughs> so... Uh, my hope, and I really mean this with all sincerity, and uh, my God, I hope my life proves me. Um, when I'm dead, I want to make sure that my bank balance is empty, everything in my life physically and materially is spent. If you have children, leave them an inheritance, but do what Warren Buffett does. Don't give them everything. This is terrible advice in a preach, you know, it's sermon. Sorry, Sam. Um, I should have told you to put your hands in your ears before I said that. Yeah. But you'll get the major share. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not supposed to leave our entire inheritance to the family, and then that just becomes old money that keeps circulating. But I must spend myself materially and spiritually before I leave the earth. Any questions on that, please feel free to push back. Many of us will not be able to do this, but many of us will be able to do this because we have time to practice this. Sorry? Uh, one that comes to mind is in, uh, when, they, uh, when the Sabians come re raiding in 2 Kings 13.21 and um, they throw uh, the dead body into... Elisha's grave and it comes up alive and one of the parallels I draw from that is if anyone throws anybody into my grave you should just lie in the grave you shouldn't come alive like uh, I should have nothing left when I leave the earth when you fall into my grave there should be no life in me that will cause you to come alive you should be as dead as you were when they brought you and threw you in my grave that's uh, one parallel I can draw the other parallel I can draw is David it's strange how David left so much for Solomon for the building of the temple. David didn't give all his wealth to Solomon. David gave all his wealth in terms of what was required to build the temple that he did not build. And because Solomon then took what David left him and built the temple, Solomon became the richest man on the face of the earth. It's strange how that worked. David could have left him everything. He had gold he had silver, Hiram had given him a lot of stuff. He could have kept all that and said, Solomon, here is your inheritance. Here is all the wealth that I've gathered. He said, Solomon, listen, here is what I leave for you. I'll leave you everything to build the temple. Solomon builds the temple. And while he's building the temple, God turns up and says, what do you want? And instead of asking for wealth, he asks for wisdom. And God says, I'll give you wisdom and I'll give you all the wealth you need. 
Queen Sheba walks into his palace and she, her, like, she literally swooned, not at seeing Solomon, but seeing his wealth, took her breath away. It's strange how God and wealth work, right? Give it away, it sticks to you. Don't give it away, you stick to it. As you get old, oh, when Jeevan was praying this for Sue, I was thinking he saw my notes. As you get old, examine ancient paths. As you get old, examine ancient paths, ancient doors, unfulfilled promises, and demand them because they were given to you. Demand them in faith for the sake of others, for others, and for his fame. I want to say, like Joshua said at the end of my life, and there are so many things I want to do at the end of my life that I hope God tells me it's the end of your life, so do you want to quickly do all these things over the next two days? Uh, at the end of, the life, uh, end of my life, I want to call you guys and say, hey, guys, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen any of the promises of God fail. What do you think Joshua is doing in Joshua 14, verse 10, where he says, he goes up to... Uh, what do you think Caleb is doing when he goes up to Joshua and says, I was promised this land 40 years ago. I've waited. It is an unfulfilled promise. Give it to me. Examine, as you get older, examine ancient doors, ancient pathways, ancient promises given to you, unfulfilled. Man, this is how we live young, old. Another title for this is not Barzillai Syndrome, living old, young. Living old, young. I will try my best to show you this. But if I fail, I hope someone else picks up the baton and runs. Because there's a... One of the things the devil loves doing in today's church is to decapitate fathers and mothers. To remove them. So that all you get is by the strength of your hands and that you never get an inheritance and you've got to start building all over again. It's the nature of Moab. Moab would always, Moab is a fatherless one. That's one of the intents. Can I remove fathers and mothers from the life of a church so that they have to again work they don't get an inheritance. And how does Satan remove fathers and mothers? Not by killing them, but by making them resign, retire, regress, so that they're not effective anymore. It's not the fault of the kids. It's the fault of the parents who now think they're too old. As you get old, don't back off from challenges and opposition. As you get old, don't back off from challenges and oppositions. That's another trick of the enemy where he says, you've run the race. You've got battle scars on your back. 
Do you really want to go through this again? Don't back off from challenges and opposition, because that's how you race against horses, no? Don't back off from challenges and opposition. And if you're feeling terribly discouraged, disappointed, hang out with wise young ones or wise old ones so that they can encourage you. Otherwise, you'll back off from challenges and oppositions. When a challenge comes, when, an op when opposition comes, you'll think to yourself, I've fought this before. I got the scars to prove it. Hey, if you got the scars to prove it, your th skin is so thick, the arrow won't pierce as deep. There are certain areas in my life where it's impossible for you to hurt me. Any questions? As you get old, as you're getting older, this is one of those as you're getting older statements. As you're getting older, eliminate weaknesses so it doesn't hobble you later or cause you to languish. As you're getting older, remove, eliminate weaknesses. What are the weaknesses, character defects that are going to haunt you later? Because now you've practiced them for 65 years and it's very hard to break out of it. When I say character defects, it's, I'm not talking about moral failure. I'm talking about character defects in here. In here where I can't think any other way. Eliminate them because they'll hobble you later. Or they'll cause you to languish. Samsung is a classic... Uh, no, I'm sorry, I meant to say Samsung. <laughs> not Samsung, it was Samson. Samson is a classic example. Samson could be a classic example too, but Samson definitely is. So Samson is a classic example of a guy who had a problem in his life that he would not correct till he's found languishing in the lap of Delilah. Strangely enough, the word Delilah means languish, where you just lay your head down on a lap that you have no business laying your head down on, and that's where you get shorn and your strength is taken. Remove these defects early because as we get older, it's harder to escape traps if you're not wise. Hmm, not bad, we're still doing okay for time. I love this next one. As you get old, let go of the seat at the table. As you get old, let go of the seat at the table. As you get old, let go of the seat at the table but exert your influence in the room. Very hard for pastors to do, eh? Or leaders to do, older leaders, to let go of the seat at the table. As in it's not important to be at the table that makes the decisions, but I love it when you can still exert influence even though you're not sitting at the table. Where you don't need a seat at the table, you don't need to be in command, you don't need to be the one who is in charge, but you have the ability because of the wisdom you carry is so evident that even while they're sitting at the table, once they come to a decision, they'll quickly turn to you to see your face and not even hear your words, but to see either the frown or the laughter on your face and know whether they're making a right decision or not. 
That kind of place, if you can get to, oh my God, God begins to applaud. Uh, that's another one of my hopes. That we'll have this large table around which all of you guys are sitting. And I'm on this side, working my way through a burger. And then you guys are making decisions. And then I'll drink a sip of coffee. And then you'll look at me. And I'll be busy with my burger. <laughs> but these are the musings of a man who's getting old young. I love getting old. There's nothing bad about it, guys. Let me assure you. You get smarter, you get wiser. People respect you. They carry things for you that you can carry. You don't have to help anyone move. Pardon? Okay. She's on probation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but see, you just, you just let the air out of the balloon. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah, moving. Never buy a pickup, guys. Poor, poor, poor Brandon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Smaller vehicle? Yeah, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> we need sages. We need sages. And uh, what do I mean by sages? Sages are those that are spiritually mature, age-wise mature, gift-wise mature, and experientially Mature. We need these in church. Spiritually mature. And you can easily figure them out. Age-wise mature, as in you've grown older, but you've grown, you've matured as you've grown older. You're not, you're not immature as you grow older. These are not just old bones. You've got an old head and old bones too. And then... Um, um, gift-wise mature, where you've learned how to, you've learned how to um, use your gifts for the benefit of others. Maturity is not in the skill of the gift. Maturity is in how beneficial is the gift for others. And finally, experientially mature. Experience matters because man whose experience is not at the mercy of a man who has an opinion. And so we need this and. Guys, anyone over 15 in this church is prime candidate for this. If you're not aiming for this, you're doing everyone a disfavor. The next thing, really cool. As you get old, expect the rush of the Spirit every so often. Um, as you get old, expect the rush of the Spirit to birth an Isaac or a John through you. As you get old, expect the work of the Spirit to be dramatic because you are not capable of producing an Isaac or producing a John. And along comes the Holy Spirit 
and suddenly you're pregnant. Are people, some laugh, some scorn, but you know that at this age you're still bearing Isaacs and you're still bearing Johns. And then expect the spirit to come upon you in a rush so that you pick up a jawbone and it becomes a weapon of mass destruction in your hands. It, this is not because you have physical strength, but just like Samson, this rush of the spirit causes you to do amazing things in a limited time. As you get old, expect the rush of the spirit, which will cause you to run faster than Ahab's chariots. As you get old, expect even in your isolation on the island of Patmos to see dreams and revelations that no human being on the earth has seen. Only you have seen. These are things that you can, you, you can so expect. This is why I said, if he practices, if, if this church, uh, the ones that are younger practice this, you will show the world that getting old in God is, is a blessed thing. Is a blessed thing. Expect the rush of the Spirit so that of all the lands you can choose, you, can, you, you ask for the land filled with the Anak. As you get old, guys, you have earned the right to ask. As you get old, you have earned the right to ask what was promised. You have earned the right. You should go up to the pastor. You should go up to the leader and say, Hey, I want to do this. I want you to help. I want you to give me this so I can do this. You have earned the right to ask. And then get battle ready. If you need training, because some of your skills are old, get trained. But you have earned the right to ask. I love how Joshua waits for the right time. And then once Moses is beginning to dispute things, he goes up to Moses and says, Moses, I'm asking. I'm not, I, I'm not waiting for you to distribute. I'm asking. I want that, and I want that, and I want that hill. You have earned the right to ask. It is strange how as we get older, we almost are intimidated to ask. We think we are not adequate enough, or we think we haven't proven enough, or we think we don't have the skill or the speed or the strength or the stamina or the um, um, accent or the flu fluency that the younger ones have. And instead of, instead of taking a step forward, we take a step backwards and we don't ask. As you get older, you have earned the right to ask. And when you ask, ask for what you're good at, what your purpose is about. Because sometimes the one in charge doesn't even know that if you ask this and you do it, you might actually start something new. The problem is people come and ask, but then when you tell them to train for it, no, I, I want to ask and get, but I don't want to be battle ready. No, sometimes you might have to lose a little bit of flab. Don't, don't look at me and smile. Next one. As you get old, it's easy to be insecure in your inadequacy. As you get old, it is easy to be insecure in your inadequacy. It's easy to be insecure in your inadequacy. And it's easy to be intimidated by the next generation. I remember going to a church in Sharjah many, 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 many moons ago. And I taught them on leading worship. 
My teaching was really good, even though it was that many years ago. And then they asked me to lead worship. And I went up on stage, and I was so intimidated because I realized that there were so many skilled uh, musicians there, and I was playing the guitar and leading, that the voices were so much better, that all my songs, many moons ago, the songs I was singing was older. So my songs were as old as their parents. And I'm standing there, and I am so insecure. And so when you're insecure, what do you do? You go to your favorite go-to things. And whether God is in it or not, you'll pull out those things. And you'll start using them, hoping that you can drum up enough fervor, enthusiasm to make things happen. For you young guys, you must realize that the longer a person leave, lives, the greater sometimes their inadequacies in certain areas and the greater their confidence in some areas. I have such a bad worship time. I've, I almost felt like my teaching didn't, ma didn't match up to my ability to lead because I was in following God. I was just trying to show them that I can teach and I can lead. Any questions on any of the things I've said? We're almost concluding. As you get old, it's easy to be insecure in your inadequacy and intimidated by the next generation because they seem to be doing it so easily with much less practice. One of the tricks is to see them as your sons and daughters. One of the tricks is to see them as your sons and daughters. And the moment you see them as your sons and daughters, your heart leaps. Whose heart did not leap? If your heart did not leap, we'll come and check your pulse. Whose heart did not leap to see Mia singing up here? Whose heart did not leap to see Aaron playing the keyboard some six weeks ago? Whose heart did not leap to see Isaac and... Um, um, what's Sheldon's daughter's name? Phoebe. Taking those ribbons and jumping up and down. <laughs> Whose heart did not leap? When you begin to see them as your own, intimidation goes out of the window. Insecurity goes out of the window. As you get old, this is a tough one, eh? Better write it down. This is a tough one, but super important. The tough ones are usually important. It's almost like organic food. No, what I meant is, no, what I meant is like, uh, it, it's, he it's healthy, but it's not tasty. Yeah. No, not with organic food. Pardon? Yeah, I'm only talking about the thing that beef eats. Yeah. Excuse me, we're in the middle of a... 
as you get old, change, change your wineskin. Change your wineskin by changing what is familiar changing peers sometimes changing location changing hobby horses and pet theology I'll explain it pet theology could also mean your cat your cat yeah otherwise you could die concealed in Laban's land. Okay guys, as you get older, change your wineskin. This is your wineskin, your thinking. Change your wineskin. Sometimes changing your wineskin can only happen by changing what is familiar. Familiar routines, familiar ways of doing things. As you get older, if you don't change what is familiar, you'll end up looking like the ones that you find so difficult right now because they won't change their ways. Nobody starts off with the uh, slogan, I will not change. Change your wineskin by changing what is familiar. Changing your peers, as in the ones that you hang out with. Change, add to them. Sometimes we are locked into a best friend and you called him your best friend 40 years ago and now you can't take it back. <laughs> and so, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving you have to spend with them because you said too much the first 10 years and now you don't know how to withdraw and you wish you could spend it with someone else but too bad, 10 years I told him that I would spend the rest of every Thanksgiving with him. Change your peers. Sometimes change location. Sometimes change location. It's important to change location. Do you know how flexible this church is? Do you know, uh, uh, don't you find it odd that we can change things at 10.15 in the morning and send you an email and you will still turn up not being grumpy or at least pretending you're not grumpy? <laughs> how did this happen? I know some of you. I know how, how, um, how much you like order, how much you like things that are predictable. I've seen how Sheldon folds his vests <laughs> and his socks. I mean, they, like you should see, they're so well folded and they're arranged in color, these things. That's the first prophetic word I had for him. I went up to him and said, uh, if, I went to, I, if I were to come and open your drawer, I'd find uh, your vests folded and your socks arranged in neat order. And he said, yes. So, I know how important it is. Hi guys. I didn't know who you were, Matt. 
I knew who Ranita was. I thought, okay. Okay, so, um, so, so I know how predictable you are, but have you noticed how nothing phases you now? Because a culture can be created where you change your wineskin by changing things that are familiar, changing peers, changing location, changing hobby horses. Hobby horses are when you decide that <coughs> these are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> 20 years have gone by, you keep saying the same thing. Same topics being taught, same things being uh, whispered. That is when you know, sound of, what's that, sound of music, yeah. You've got to change. Get rid of your hobby horses and change your pet theologies. It is important. Otherwise, you will die concealed in Laban's land. Any questions about this one? Because this one is difficult. Go ahead, Diana. Pet theology is uh, when a part of God's theology is what becomes super important to you. you God proved himself to you that, uh, 20 years ago, and you haven't gone past it. Every time you talk, it's the same thing. It applies to cats also. Change your pet theology. Yeah. Pardon? No, they live nine times before they die. That's the problem. Yes. Pet theology is when you have one thing that you flog uh, over and over and over again. Be it Israel, be it the end of the world, be it whatever. Never stops. Never stops. Never that. What's the rest of the song? <laughs> Moving on since we have to end. Yep. Yeah. So when I don't change my wineskin, uh, I get so used to the familiar that I will not have the strength to break out of um, that which is familiar. And you keep serving in the same place and you're not able to break out. You lose your power to break through. You lose your power to break through. He stayed seven years longer than he had to. I mean, he shouldn't have stayed at all. He spent seven years for one, then got duped and stayed seven years for the other, and then got duped and stayed another six years, 20 years concealed, where you do not have the power to break through. And familiarity does that. Yeah, it's not stepping over the threshold. Many of you don't know this, but when we used to meet at um, Ross Street, there would be Saturdays where I would come with some of the, there were no young people then, so I would ask the older people to come and help me. And we would completely change the furnishing so that when people came on Sunday, they couldn't find their favorite places. <laughs> and I mean, when we were doing it, there was this evil glee to it, but uh, it was a godly thing. So they would come the next morning and they wouldn't find their favorite seat. It used to be a lot of fun. But uh, it was just a token exercise so that nobody gets used to anything. Yeah, but this is just for a year. We might move again. Yeah. Yeah, it's easier to just move you over, Diana. Yeah, changing peers is because if I don't change peers, the way I speak is always constant. If I, if I, if I only hang out with Betty and May, um, then um, I'll soon start talking about biking and hiking. <laughs> uh, and, and then 
nothing will change. We'll never talk about anything else because peer-to-peer -peer relationships always end up that way. And that's one of the uh, things that the young adults have to be careful of and the older adults have to be careful of. If we don't have new, new, new people injected into our um, network of uh, the ones that we associate with, the jokes are the same. I mean, I'm so scared that I'm retelling my jokes always. But unfortunately, you don't stop me, so I keep retelling them anyways. Many of you have heard some of my stories so many times and you tolerate it. Uh, and it gets to a point where everything becomes the same and it's not conducive to growth. And therefore, I want new people in my life who can come and um, break me out of the same pattern. And with the young adults, it's, uh, in Bahrain, we had to shut the church down for a while because the aim became fellowship. The aim of the church is never fellowship. Anyone who comes to Acts 29 looking for fellowship will get it, but that ain't the aim. Oh, no, no, no. Don't add, adding to them. Change, changing your peer network so that it's not always the same. Jacob doesn't become Israel. Had he not broken out, he would have been Jacob. Yeah. Last two points. This is a tough one. As you get old, take your eyes off your outer impotence, impotency. As you get old, take your eyes off your external impotency. There are things that you realize others are better at you at. And you look at your own self and you realize you are important in that area. But this, as I get older, man, I will lean back on my ability to connect with the presence of God. I will lean back on the storehouse that God has allowed me to collect of new things and old things. I will lean back on the power of the Holy Spirit to do potent things through an important um, body. I will lean back on the wisdom that has been gathered because houses are built with wisdom and knowledge. They are furnished with understanding. I'll lean back on that. I won't look at my external impotency and say, but I'm old. I can't do this. I can't do that. Betty does it better. Um, um, uh, Sheldon does it better. I, I will not let that happen. Because you know why I won't let that happen? Not because Jacob wants to be big, but because you will miss out on everything that Jacob is because Jacob's attitude is so self-deprecating. Can't afford that. As you get older, take your eyes off your outer impotency. That's exactly what's happening to Barzillai. He's being invited for David to set up his throne, Zion, the ultimate place that people wanted to go to. Oh, my tongue doesn't taste things. My eyes don't see things. Look at me. And my God, the lament starts. We can't go down this route, guys. Because of the life of Christ that is present in the body and is present in you. Uh, you're talking about the personal presence of Jesus Christ in your body.
We also don't get caught up in cult cultural complacency. Cultural complacency. I pray God that we never have a day when people over 65 will gather together to throw a ball that will knock off some pins. Because if you want to do it, do it because you want to do it. Don't do it because you're... That's not what seniors in a church do. Then go do it. No, 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 I really mean it. I, I, my heart breaks when, 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 when we have a seniors um, a group that plays games. It, it is retiring them too early. It's not right. It's almost like putting you out to pasture. We don't do this, guys. It's, 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 a, it's like saying, your time is done. Yeah. And then, re take your eyes off your resource r reserve. Take your eyes off your resource reserve. As we get older, uh, we look at the resources we have left and we de decide that we cannot do certain things. Take your eyes off your resource reserve. Don't keep looking at your RRSPs. Resource reserve saving plan. Don't keep looking at it, because as you look at it, and as you're getting older, it may be getting a little lesser. And as it's getting lesser, you are deciding, so um, list of things to do. Okay, this one, this one, this one. Sorry, can't do that. But Jacob, that is so highly impractical. Absolutely true. God thrives in impracticality. But Jacob, if I do something like that and then I don't have any money, will you take care of me? Don will. Someone will. Any questions? Any questions? Why are we doing this? Because we need to contend for our children and we have to prepare an inheritance. Because we need to contend for our children and we have to prepare an inheritance. Only the older or the ones that are getting older can prepare an inheritance for the younger and only the older can contend for, your, for their children. You see, it's, guys, you, I'm standing here so that you know how serious I am. And because I'm short. You have no idea how absolutely passionate and completely devoted I am to two things. Preparing an inheritance for you. And second, contending for the ones that come after me. Two things. This must consume you. Because it consumed the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is what David did, First Chronicles 29, verse 2. First Chronicles 29, verse 2. 
First Chronicles 29 verse 2. With all my resources I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for gold work, silver for silver, bronze for bronze, iron for iron, wood for wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, all kinds of fine stone and marble, all these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything. I have provided for this holy temple 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver, overlaying of the walls, and so on. Let me end with this last scripture which will blow your mind. And I preface it by saying, how dare you rob God of the years of your life as you get old? How dare you rob God? Mike, Karen, Sue, Diana, Ranita, Heidi, Reba, Uma, Mohini, Ruth, Joan, Dilna, Jacob, how dare you rob God of the life that has been given to you? You listen to this verse and it grabs your heart. Isaiah 46. I'm reading from the message. Isaiah 46, verse 3 to 5 from the message. Isaiah 46, verse 3 to 5 from the message. Listen to me, family of Jacob. Everyone that's left of the family of Israel. I have been carrying you on my back from the day you were born, and I will keep on carrying you when you are old. I'll be there, bearing you when you're old and gray. I've done it and will keep on doing it, carrying you on my back, saving you. So to whom will you compare me, the incomparable? Can you picture me without reducing me? How dare I take my life that he's carried since birth and that he will carry when I'm gray and now say that I don't think you're capable. I've got to plan for my old age. That's robbing God. The part that I'm not going to teach right now is how do you locate yourself in this present moment of God, movement of God that is upon Acts 29 and upon the earth. I'll have to do it another time because that's only one point, but it's got eight sub-points. So I'll do that uh, another time because... As older ones, we have to know, okay, so if there is a revival on, if there is something that's going to happen here on earth, how do I now, based on all these things, locate myself so that I'm fruitful? So that I'm fruitful. Yeah? So here's what I want us to end with. I want um, two young, two from the under 50s and two from the older 50, or above 50s to come and just pray. And uh, we'll close with that. Pray for each other. Pray for, pray for the under 50s, pray for the over 50s, and the over 50s, pray for under 50s. But remember, guys, you can be 49 or 50, and still people can write about you that Barzillai was a very old man, and they can say about Caleb, and Caleb was as young as 40 years ago. So age is a thing here and here and a few other places. But um, 
Yeah, and when we talk about how do we fit into the revival and what God is doing, we'll talk about, okay, as I grow older, what about the fact that my physical body isn't as um, um, capable as I was when I was 20? That's a reality too. The Bible talks about it in Ecclesiastes 12 and a few other places. We'll talk about that. How do we handle the physical limitations that come as we get older? That part is real. And sometimes uh, some of us may be struggling with illnesses or sicknesses. How do we compute that in? So those are realities too. But I'm praying that you young guys will be able to navigate life so well that the Holy Spirit will quicken your mortal bodies even as you get older. Yeah? So two from the young... I don't know what to call you. Two from the that side and two from the this side. If you could pray for each other. Just two, huh? so make a mad dash for the mic. I think he heard it as make a mad dash mic, <laughs> but that's okay. Got to turn it up. There we go. Father, we thank you for your revelation that transcends all that we see around us, all that, all that is in this culture. And we reject what this culture says, that young people are, young people are uh, the only ones that matter, and older people are the ones that, that should, be, should be shelved and put aside. And we ask that you would, that you would quicken our, our minds, our thinking, that you, would, that you would help us to reinvent our thinking, that we that, are, that we that are older, and help us from, keep us from getting caught up in that, in that lie of being put aside and, and we've, we've arrived and we deserve to, to, to relax now and, and keep listening to you and keep crossing those thresholds and keep, finding those new rooms to walk into yeah. and and having having a life with you that is that is exciting and that is that is accomplishing your will and and making your word go forth in the earth and and giving our uh, giving our wisdom and and our our accumulated knowledge unabashedly to the to the young people without 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 apology without uh, without intimidation so that so that they would gain from what you've put into us not because of our own our own our own arrogance or being puffed up but just because you've put things into us that that you want us to to give back to 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 put into the put into the younger ones and we we thank you that that we don't have to we don't have to live the way the culture says we have that we should live we don't have to to do things any other way but your way which is the right way and we thank you for that. Yeah. Father, I just pray for, um, for your zeal to fall afresh. Yeah. Um, you are God of dignity and and of worth, Father. And Hallelujah. so often this culture starts removing dignity and worth yeah. as people age. We say, 
oh, you're, there's now this is expected or this is expected. But Father, I speak your Hallelujah. dignity. I speak your worth over every person Hallelujah. in this room and connected to this body who's who's older father because this is who you are this is how you see them and their dignity and worth it doesn't it's not on a timeline yeah there is no end point father Hallelujah. so i thank you for your dignity and your worth i thank you that they are valued that they're an integral part of this body they're yeah. an integral part of the young being able to rise up Hallelujah. because it is through the old that generations are created yeah. without the up further the older generation there is no younger generation father yeah so I thank you for your dignity and your worth, and I pray for a zeal to fall, a zeal to rise, that it will no longer just be the young people running ahead, but the young people will have to compete yeah. because they'll Hallelujah. have to realize that, Hallelujah. hey, there's something we have to run after. We have to Please actually God. run to stay ahead. So I thank Please you, Father, for, um, for what you're doing. And I, I, just, I just come against the enemy's schemes, the enemy's plans to bring discouragement, to bring doubt, to say, hey, maybe this is all there is. Yeah. And, and I pray for a passion, I pray for a zeal, I pray for a zest, a new life, that there is no tiredness, there is no fatigue, but there's a refreshing, Father, a refreshing of your presence, of your purpose in each one's life, Father, yeah. because when there is purpose, there is life. Yeah. So I thank you for your purpose afresh, Father. Hallelujah. Father, I just want yeah, Father, I just want to thank you first and foremost for the older ones that we have in this church. And uh, it's it's actually pretty cool because I was just praying this similar prayer over my mother like two days ago. And um, yeah, I want to pray the prayer based on uh, Kela Bogard who in numbers, when he was younger, had a voice to silence a multitude. But uh, your word says that he, he followed you wholeheartedly and he had a different spirit. And then as we were reminded, oh, Father, in, um, in Joshua 14, Father, that he came back all oh God, and, and remembered the promises that you had spoken over his life. So, Father, we speak over the promises that everybody had all over God. That, you know, maybe they thought that some people had started giving up. But, Father, we're speaking for a newness all over God on those promises, Father. And so, as Caleb said, he said, I'm still able to battle. I'm still as vigorous. And he reclaimed those promises. So, Father, I speak that over, over this, I don't know what to call them, older generation, I guess. Yeah, so Father, we thank you for that because you are the one who's able to do this, Father. Yeah. And you are the one who gives them the inheritances that you promised them, oh Lord God, in the yeah. young age, Father. So we're speaking for a newness, oh God. Oh, I God. thank you, Father, because you are the one who's able to do this. Yeah. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Father, I just want to pray for the young, the younger people in this body and the ones who are listening. Um, and that includes Jacob. Um, Father, I just pray that all of the things that Jacob taught today, 
which are really good for us older people, would be picked up early and easily by these young ones who are still, who are already running in a phenomenal speed and growing in leaps and bounds beyond what I've ever experienced. So I speak that into their lives and I, and I, I just pray that they would take what the, the teaching has been and run with it. Because if they don't, they will run into the same problems that we older ones are doing and having to get out of the, the ruts that we're in. Yeah. So I speak life and zeal and rest and peace and yeah. all that God has for you. In yeah. fact, I bless each one in this room with yeah. that, that all that God has for us would yeah. be manifest in our lifetimes yeah. so that we can bless others in their lifetimes. Yeah. Awesome. Could the ones over 50 just stand? Let's just turn towards the ones that are young here. You have no idea how proud we are of you. I speak for the rest of us. We haven't seen this, like Diana said, we haven't seen this in our lifetime. A bunch of guys from different parts of the world, different backgrounds, and you've gathered here, and you've shown us what it is to pursue God with a passion. I look at you and I marvel, be it someone as new as Chava or someone as old as Betty. Betty came, what, how many years ago, Betty? Six years ago, and Chava, six months. I marvel at you guys, and we just want to tell you how grateful we are for you and what you've done to our lives. You have made our lives so rich, you have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sue and Joan have been in other churches. Diana has been in other churches. Mike and Karen have, were born in a church. Uh, <laughs> Heidi's been in multiple churches, and I'm telling you, as we look, it is mind-boggling, right, Heidi? So proud of you, I have no idea. Yeah? 